This is Joe Basso for Music Radar, the place for music makers, and I'm speaking with Herman Lee, one of the two lead guitarists from the band Dragon Force. Herman, how you doing? Not bad, not bad. Pretty good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Right off the bat, I should ask about Guitar Hero, how it's changed your life. Your track, Through the Fire and Flames, sort of became the can-you-play-this-track-on-the-game? Uh, I guess um, one, of the thing that, one of the things that changed the most... Excuse me, I really... Um, I bit my tongue yesterday, so if I sound funny, anyone listening out there, don't worry. <laughs> um, I guess every day now I get asked the same question, can I play my own song in Guitar Hero? I guess that really was the thing that changed most in my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, apart from that, I think um, really um, you reach out you know, you put Dragon Force to a new audience and people have never heard the music and that's really been good, you know, good for the last album, In Human Rampage. So you see no downside at all that your band basically reached a new level of popularity because of a video game? Um, yeah, you know, definitely because um, we actually finished touring before, um, In I mean, the game is, you know, the most popular is in America more than anywhere else and we stopped touring just... Um, just around, I think, a few months before Guitar Hero 3 came out. And when Guitar Hero 3 came out, it's like a new album. Or not a new album, a last album. Just got re-released again, and it's like a whole buzz happening. And, you know, it was, it was good. You know, it kept business going while we were away from America. What is your overall impression of the Guitar Hero and Rock Band games? How, how do you see it as a phenomenon? Um, it really gets people into rock music, expose them to it, and you know, maybe get them to play an instrument. I think it's a good thing. At the end of the day, it's a video game. Just because you can play it, play our song on Expert on the on the video game doesn't mean they even have a chance of playing it after one year of guitar playing, you know, the real thing. Now, Dragon Force is known, is famous for its guitar solos. You and your co-guitarist, Sam Totman, you know, you guys trade licks and solos like there's no end in sight. Did you guys study any other classic dual lead guitar bands when forming Dragon Force? I mean, we listened to a lot of, obviously, double guitar stuff like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden. The early stuff, I mean, I used to listen to stuff like Symphony X and Cacophony, which right. is the more underground, you know, ultra-shredding kind of stuff. Uh, but it wasn't something that we tried to um, just emphasize on. I think the success of, a drag- of Dragon Force in the end at the end, it's basically the songs are catchy. You know, you can have all these guitars, you know, going in and out and about, but if the song's rubbish, it's kind of pointless. So we always actually spend more time on the songs than the solo. Solo is actually the last thing we actually spend time on when we make an album. How would you describe the differences in playing styles between you and Sam? I think first album compared to another fourth album, Ultra Beatdown, we we, have a, we we share each other's techniques more on the newer stuff than the old stuff. I think the first album when it came out like in 2003, we sound you know really really different. But I think the note choice is always going to be different. No matter what techniques you play, techniques is one thing, but the note choice is what um, also I think um, you know show I don't know give the identity to the player. And his note choice and my note choice has always been kind of different, and I think it always will. Like if Sam does something more conventional in a way on your next solo, will you try to do something more extreme and vice versa? I don't like the safe notes all the time. I don't like to land on the safe notes 
I don't mean the passing notes, um, but the the one that sits on the chords, because I find them kind of boring and the same. So I like to use a lot of the unsafe note, whatever you call it, you know. Just um, just the style is different. Um, you know, Sam writes out all his solos, and I improvise all my solos. So the whole feel of it is different too. But I mean, even though we share the same similar kind of guitar technique, like tapping and fast playing, yeah. What kind of formal training have you had? Did you go to a Guitar Institute. My, my only training is basically from instructional videos and reading guitar magazines. You know, when I when I was when I started off, Sam is actually a classical trained musician. I'm not, so I just learn from whatever I can get. You know, and now with the internet and stuff, I think it's even easier for for people that want to learn the guitar. When I started playing guitar, that's um, I think that's like about that's when the grunge, the whole new metal thing was um, the, was the thing, and it wiped out any kind of um, melodic guitar out of, the, you know, out of rock and metal. So it definitely wasn't wasn't there, and I had to kind of look back and search back to other other guitars to, to learn from. It's interesting you mentioned grunge. During that period, were you disheartened in any way that the kind of guitar playing that you do was out of style? I don't think so. Um, I think I realized what I like to listen to and what I want to play, and that's pretty much what I pursued. And it's the same thing with Dragon Force. When we started off, you know, we're like the joke, you know, why are you playing solos? Back then, it's still kind of like a funny thing to be singing and not growling on the voice for metal. So, you know, I think um, that that's kind of my determination. I always had to, you know, to do what I want to listen to and what I want to want, want to play. Now, you have a pretty elaborate home studio where you record most of the records, correct? Yeah, I record everything guitars, definitely record at my place, yeah. What is in your setup? Do you demo on GarageBand? What's in your home setup? It's actually very, very simple. Um, I just have a Digidesign 002 and a DI box, and what have I got? Um, a Rocktron Prophecy preamp, which does um, all the lead sounds, and I've got a reamp along the normal guitar stuff, the only studio stuff I got is basically a DI box and a Pro Tools LE system. <laughs> I don't think you need the million things and million effects, really. I, you know, I don't even use compressors or anything on the guitar, or I use some distortion. There's that theory that you need a good room sound to get great guitar tracks, like Jimmy Page used to do, recording in castles and whatnot. So I guess you don't subscribe to that notion? I don't really see it that way, you know, the, how close I put my microphone to the to the speaker, you know, it's, it's not going to catch the room anyway. And it's hard to, when you have the room, it's hard to control the, the sound in the mix because you've got all these other stuff that are interfering, from, like the reverb and all that, you know, that's the way I see recording anyway. Everyone, everyone produces differently and record and engineering differently. That's um, my style and that's how I like to hear the guitar on the, on the record. You're pretty much known for being a perfectionist, doing take after take after take of solos. Why is that? A lot of players would say spontaneity is the thing. When I'm in a studio mode, I hear every single little thing. I mean, I hear fret buzz on the guitar solos, all these kind of things. And to be honest, I mean, I'm trying to give the 100% effort and really capture the one i don't i don't you know if it has to be 100 take to get that right one i'll do it you know because what what gets recorded pretty much stay in history for the rest of his life you know and it's important that we get something right and every little detail you miss when you start putting them all together it really make a big difference on what's a good album or a bad album 
But sometimes do you feel like you're chasing your own tail in a way, like that solo you played the second time isn't any better than the 35th time? Oh, absolutely. I, I totally think sometimes I did like um, six hours of this one solo and probably the fifth one was good enough. I'm on the, on the 200 or something, you know. And it's gone, you know, it's been wiped over, forever gone. But in, in a way, I also feel like you know, the first, first couple can't be that good. You know, the more time I spend playing these notes and experimenting with these different chords and the key changes, I'm going to be better later on in the, in the game. I've noticed the production of your albums keeps improving. Why do you think that is? Every time we, we've done an album, we've learned a lot of things. Yeah? This, we definitely come out with loads of experience and ideas and technical knowledge. But doesn't mean the next album is going to get easier because we have to do something new. We have to add on to what we already learned. Like on the last album, Ultra Beatdown, we start doing reamp, which is the first time. And by doing reamp, actually makes the whole thing harder again because you've got so many options of choosing different guitar sounds for different songs, doing it over and over again, re-record the guitar sound. But, you know, I think um, leaving us so much options makes an album harder, but also the result at the end will be good. And unless you're really exhausted when you finish the album, you know, I don't feel like I've done a good job unless I'm really tired and I'm just going to collapse. And that's how it happened in the last album. I assume you use Pro Tools. Yeah. And again, that gives too much options as well. <laughs> but in a way, does it make recording easier? I think the easiest, if you to put it, is to put a tape because you've got no options. You just have to play and be, be over with it. <laughs> if you know what I mean? doesn't mean it's going to be that great because the automation all this mixing and all that it's, you know you don't have all that stuff how you can make a perfect mix you know when it comes some you know some certain frequency the guitars become louder you don't want it to pop up you know everything has to be perfect even in the mix so pro Tools just give you the ability to really use all your skills but without wasting too much time i don't want to sit there pushing the knobs up and down you know on the tape or something i've done tapes before a long time ago so you know it's easier in a way but it also it's harder because you've got so much options now. You know, you have to be you have to be skillful yourself to do it. So it's, people say, "Oh, that's Pro Tools. That's why the album's good. You can't really play. It's pretty much rubbish. You can't play. You can't play." You know. <laughs> Can you see the day where you guys would make a record in the more conventional sense, in a studio, with a producer, pretty much calling the shots? I I don't really see that happening now. But I said a lot of things in my life that I said never going to happen, and it happened anyway. Right now, I don't see it happening, but in the two years' time, when we decided to make another, another album, we might think about bringing someone in. We actually thought about it before we started doing Ultra Beatdown, but then we thought, you know what, no, we're not going to do it. How do you and Sam work on your rhythm guitar parts, and how many tracks do you lay down generally of them? <laughs> we, did, we wanted to play um, four, um, four rhythm tracks on this album, like two on each side, and we end up being one on each side again, like every single album. Uh, because it takes that long to get it for us to record a rhythm track with that perfection thinking about it. And we keep changing, we record the rhythm tracks about four times because we kept changing them. We go, oh, you know what, we don't want to do that now. We want to do something else. Oh, we're going to change a chord in that song. Oh, we're going to change a chorus in that song. And we have to do it all again. This, the skill, um, I don't know, just, um, I guess we used to, used to play a lot of crash mellow and playing fast is just kind of a natural thing now. Now, I've heard that sometimes when you record, <laughs> that you put a sock around the neck of your guitar when doing solos. Is that correct? And if so, why is that? Yeah, and every sock has a hole in them. 
<laughs> I basically don't throw away socks, that, like old socks anymore. If they got holes, I wash them and I put it in this drawer, yeah? Which is made for cleaning guitars and muting guitar strings. Basically, we tie at the back, I mean, tie on the near the nuts area. And that solves, um, some, sometimes when you're doing a solo, it's just like, I don't know, you, you, you hit an open note and even you've done a great take, you're just like, oh man, that note just ruined it. And just that's to avoid having to do something that you probably can't do again. So when listening to the new record, Ultra Beatdown, I had to keep referring to the credits as to who was playing what solo, because you guys trade so many solos off. I mean, each song has, you know, a wealth of solos. A, how do you and Sam come up with these solos? And B, do you ever lose track of who's playing what? <laughs> with, um, once the songs are all written, like, instructor-wise, and we know how many solos are in each song, then we, we have this little booklet. We call it the Book of Hate because everything in it is about work. There's nothing good about it, you know? Yeah, and the more text you got in the Book of Hate, the, the closer you are to finish the album. And we write down who, how many solos, and we write down the numbers of solos of each song, and we start putting in who's going to play what to get a good balance of a different style of solos we probably going to expect to be playing because based on the key changes and based on the if it's a riff if it's a slow section if it's a fast section if it's a solo over chorus chord or you know the chorus section of the song or you know that kind of thing so to kind of keep a balance and then we just have to go and hammer them out and we listen to each other to make sure we don't play similar legs and or similar solo we help each other out that's that's the main thing you know we both record in the same in the same place in a different room but when you're playing live, which is a totally different experience, you know, you have that adrenaline going and, and it's a show. Do you ever lose track of who's doing what? Not really. I mean, you, you know which solos you play and, you know, because you still got to learn what chords you got to play under the person when you're not soloing. So you, effectively, you're playing all the time. I think the best we've played really so far is on the last Mayhem tour. We really kind of, I think we got about 20 times or 100 times better than we've ever done. So I think um, if it's the time to see Dragon Force, it's probably now. <laughs> <laughs> is it hard to play so precisely when you're doing a live show, particularly at something like the Mayhem Festival? Uh, this is something I learned. And, you know, I, I admit I, I, I have screwed up solos live. And on this tour now, I mean, on the last Mayhem tour, I mean, I've been looking at the YouTube stuff, and people say, wow, Dragon Force, amazing. They finally play all the solos exactly like on the album. It's like the CD. And really, the only thing to unlock the key was really to get in-ear monitors, because there's so many times I couldn't hear what I was playing, and I just think, oh, I must be playing the right leg, hopefully. You know, because you're running left and right on the stage, and the monitors just can't keep up. Um, so by having in-ear monitors, really, actually... We finally can play everything exactly without even dropping the notes now. It's really that simple. Throw some money and so you can hear what you're playing, and that, that's sort of the problem. Because your guitar style is so intense, do you ever worry about carpal tunnel syndrome? Well, Sam's got it. Oh, really? He's got, he's got a problem, yeah. Oh, but my. not from playing guitar. He spends loads of time at the point playing this game, which is called um, Company of Heroes, which is a real-time strategy game on the laptop and he was playing on a trackpad instead of a mouse and I think that's that's what screwed his arm out so it's getting better now but you know I don't think I'm I'm not worried about it because I really do I play with lots of breaks tell me about your new signature model your new Ibanez which is called the e-gen 18 I believe yeah, yeah I gave it 18 as a number because I didn't want a number one on it 
basically, I, Ibanez, um, I've been using Ibanez guitars for, I guess, more than 10 years. I don't know how long. Basically, I, I don't like I don't like custom guitars usually. I like factory-made guitars because I can choose which one I like and how, how you know, because every guitar is different. If they make me one custom, I probably won't like it just because, you know, I'm, I'm that picky. Anyway, probably I said that too early. Anyway, so we're making guitars. They were making custom guitars for me from the factory in Japan because, I was, um, because luckily I got the chance to, you know, I, I tried to improve the guitar I've been playing for years because um, my style has changed and think, really so many things have changed and I've played so many other guitars as well when I was on tour of other band, bands and I learned a lot of things and really tried to improve the guitar and then when they said I can have a signature guitar well I said I already built it I made it with some guy in Japan you know build it so alright great you know get a signature guitar but one of the there, there was a few things before even doing this signature guitar deal I, I kind of really emphasize on was I don't want to release a guitar, which is basically exactly the same as what's already out there, but with a different color, with a different name. That means there's absolutely no features, that the guitar is kind of just a show of a look. And I don't want to put my name on it. It's like, I think it's stupid to have a signature on my headstock if I'm holding the guitar and playing it anyway. <laughs> and God, all these demands, God, I've been there, I hope they don't hate me still. Um, and it has to be the guitar that I really play, That's which comes back to the thing about the factory, you know. So I don't want to have a guitar that's released out there that's not really what I'm playing. It's just I'm playing another custom guitar. So anyway, all that, all that is so great, and it took really a long time to build it because I'm really annoying. I don't know how long this answer is going to keep going before people fall asleep when I start talking about the pickups and <laughs> all those stuff. <laughs> yeah, but if you go to dragonforce.com, it's got the real details every every single thing that's different about that guitar opposed to what's out there already to give it really the unique thing that I believe is the easiest to play and most um, diverse guitar for the star music I, I play. Some of the upper frets are scalloped, is that right? That's right. Just to make it easier to bend high notes, especially the speed we play. Sometimes to grab, you know, to grab those high notes, it's pretty hard to put my fingers in there. So those, the scallop really helped. So I got that idea from the jam, basically try to collect all ideas from all kind of great guitars out there, and if they work for me, I'm gonna have it on my signature. You know, you know, just like guitar playing, you know, you gotta mix all styles and to to make yourself something something special and different. Which leads me to ask: A, did you ever try to scallop your own necks? And B, were you influenced by Ingve Malmsteen? First answer. Uh, even though I I know quite a bit about guitar, you know, I take an interest in how the wood, different woods sound and how they build and the whole, whole all the way, all the, I even learned how to file frets and everything, yeah, and fret dress from my guitar tech. Um, I, I wouldn't dare destroy a guitar by scalloping it myself. And, and of course, Malmsteen, yeah. I used to sit there and learn albums from, you know, songs from, the, from his albums. I'm curious, what other guitarists have inspired you? Um, I'll just give you a short list. Uh, really, so many. Everything I listen to, um, it's the only way that you know. Everyone says. I mean, even when I was reading guitar magazines, it was you know my favorite guitarist. Then you have to listen to as many guitarists as possible to to really you know compare different things and learn different things from. Because no one can do everything. Music, you know, no so many choices of notes and and rhythm. So um, really, from 
Malmsteen, Steve Vai, Satriani, of course, you know, these are the main influences a lot of people have, you know, all the way to Brian Adams, you know, <laughs> all different kind of songwriting stuff. I don't really know which one. I can look, I can stare at my CD collection and name you loads, like, you know, all the shrapnel records guys, you know, Paul Gilbert and Richard Cotson, two people that just play rhythm guitar. What CD in your collection would most surprise people? What music do you like that people would never expect you to like? I actually got the Fallout Boy album. Fallout Boy, okay. Yeah, I, I think that album, whatever the run, the really long title, it's got really catchy songs. You know, I think um, all style music contributes something, and you can learn something from it. From you know, because it's just stiff, there's so many different moods, so many different style, and you might not like it now. You might like it in ten years time. You know, just I think your brain can't absorb so many style music in one go anyway. You know, it's slowly as you absorb this ones, you can start moving on and just kind of absorb different kind of stuff and see if they work for you yeah, as a player. When the whole phenomenon of Guitar Hero came about and people started really tuning into Dragon Force, the big rumor, as you know, was, oh, they speed up their solos in the studio. There's no way they, they can play this stuff. Did that sting? Did that hurt you guys? To be honest, not really. I mean... The funny thing is, we're not even that fast. I always say to people, <laughs> we're not that fast. I mean, Michelangelo's, Christian Pelletieri, you know, those guys have been ripping the fretboard for years and years. You know, we're not that fast. You know, it's just, um, it's, it's one, one guy to another, and then he tells another guy, and he tells another guy, you know, whatever. You know, no one really, they, they say, oh, we, we, play, we play an E flat, and then we speed it up, like the whole album. It's like, come on, come on, man. You know, these people don't know anything about production. You're going to ruin the whole album. It doesn't work that way. Go to the live show, that's what I say, you know. There you go. We now have some questions from readers. A reader named the Dude 5 asks, Do you enjoy a bottle of scotch from time to time when you play? I know I do. Um, I think I know what I should drink and not drink now these days. And liquor would be not a good thing for my playing. Beer doesn't really make that much difference, you know. But I'm training really hard at the moment in martial arts, so i got to cut down the drinking anyway because I just get, I just lose in sparring all the time, otherwise. A reader named UBT Guitarist asks, what practice routine do you attribute to your ridiculous playing speed? I think the speed comes from the improvisation part of my playing, which means I can learn a lick a million times, but I can't play it fast, and this became something natural to me. Uh, and the naturalness for me is, in, um, I think improvising, you always kind of play naturally, and that's why you can play fast. So I think if, if people have a problem playing fast, just learning like scales fast up and down it doesn't really do it. You need to learn um, improvisation because then you can execute those scales, whatever, certain any time, moment in time, different key, different different time. I just think that's that's the weapon you can you can unleash. Otherwise, you're thinking, when am I going to play this scale? When you improvise, you just feel and you just play it. Bang. A reader named Stratcat asks, "Can you play faster?" Uh, I guess we can. Doesn't mean it's going to be that tight, though. You know, I think, I think something. Some people under, um, get the misconception of speed and stuff. Someone can play really, really fast if they just stay on three notes consistently, or just one note. You know, really just pick it fast. But to to make it a bit more complex and add things to it and play fast, that's what makes it harder. You know, to, to, to the note charge you do. A reader named Styley One asks. Do you ever play any non-shred? I actually don't 
practice that much kind of fast stuff at home. I have to play something slow. So it forces me to think of each note before I play it. If I hope that makes sense. And then slowly, by having control of what my brain says and what my finger's going to do when I play fast, I can execute. You know, playing fast all the time is not good because um, you, don't, you don't learn to, um, you, might, you might get a bad habit of just playing these exercises fast all the time and you don't think of the chord that's coming and the note you should be playing and the note you should be passing and sitting on. Calvinios asks, how long did it take you to grow your Rapunzel-length hair and what hair products do you use? Um, that usual girl question. So I got a, that's not a girl answer. I can't I can't answer that. <laughs> it's, it, I've grown it for a really long time. I think I actually made it shorter now. You know, I cut a little bit of it. Yeah. So shampoo, um, conditioner, well, whatever is cheap, um, buy one get one free in the supermarket because I use so much hair conditioner. <laughs> a reader named okay. Els asks, Do you ever try performance enhancing drugs before you go on stage? Does beer count? Booze? Um, no, no, not really. If I'm tired, I have to say, um, it took me a while to work it out. If I'm tired, sometimes, you know, you've done like three shows in a row, like or really hard shows, and you've got a fourth one, you don't, or fifth, whatever. Um, you know, you do get on stage tired if you haven't had enough sleep. The only way to do it is you have to drink some energy drink to kind of make your mind kind of wakes up and since I don't drink coffee or tea I don't usually drink caffeine if I drink one of three sips of those energy drink I'm shredding Herman it's been great talking to you thank you thanks for having me this is Joe Basso for Music Radar the place for music makers and I've been speaking with Herman Lee guitarist for Dragon Force Herman thank you very much cool take care alright bye bye now. bye